How do you build and responsibly grow a business within an industry that you hope shrinks? Well, that's a question we answer today through the topic of sustainability on this Authentic Avenue. Adore Me, a public benefit corporation which seeks to provide a blueprint for sustainability within the fashion industry. My guest today is Roman Leo. He's their COO and co-founder. Since the business started in 2012, he's made a transformation towards sustainability, particularly around a 2019 pledge to get better within five years. But it's more detailed than just get better. In that time, he's also built a blueprint for trust through transparency, which we detail today and which is particularly applicable in the fashion world. And he should know, he's not only used this blueprint to help continue to grow Adormi, but he's also done it with several sister brands, which he's launched in just the last year. Today, we'll talk about why this is so important and how he does hope to continue to grow that ecosystem once again in a fashion world, which he believes for the better of the world should be shrinking. That plus his thoughts on authenticity and how to get there are, of course, included in this episode towards the end, so stay tuned for that. For now, sit back, relax, think about how you can change the world for the better over the next 20 years, and listen in as I get real with Adore Me and Roman Leo. Hey, Roman, how are you? Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Hadam. Very good, very good, very happy to be here with you. This story, your story, is particularly interesting to me ultimately for the blueprint that you have written for others within fashion and other industries to become more transparent, uh, and hopefully they follow your lead. But before we talk about that, I want to learn more about how you got to this point. Of course, you're on the founding team of Adore Me, and you've had this wonderful transition into prioritizing sustainability. I think that has a little bit to do, as we've talked about before, with making the world better for your child, but I'd love to know the founding story and how things have progressed to date before we get a little bit more into the case for sustainability. Yeah, uh, sounds good. Adormi was launched in 2012, and it was like a typical uh, DTC business, selling lingerie online. But we always had this twist of thinking about other, and the initial foundation of Adormi was really lingerie for everybody, and really have this inclusivity element at core. And, and today it sounds obvious uh, for many brands, but in 2012, it was not that obvious. It was relatively new. And, and we always had this uh, uh, promise in our DNA to bring affordable lingerie for everybody. And then the company evolved and we become, I would say, a more established business. Uh, we passed the $100 million of revenue uh, line in uh, 2017 and the company progressed. And then we had uh, uh, more and more at every level of the company, we were um, questioning ourselves, are we sure that we are still doing something that is really good? And when you see the negative impact of fashion uh, on, on the climate change, we had to change. And, and, and I think for me, everybody has their own personal journey, but for me, I will say my, my, my son, is born in 2018, and I was thinking, okay, what 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 world will have will 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 he have? And and that's where it was really a a more a, a stronger conversion towards sustainability. And I think it was my personal journey at Adormi, but many people were having the same type of question. I think the whole company really shifted towards a sustainability first mindset, 
And, uh, and what is very interesting is like, we didn't start as a sustainability first company and we are not perfect even today. Uh, I wish, but the reality, it, it's not the case. But what we have that is, I think is interesting is like, we, we are moving, we are moving fast, much faster than the industry. And we are really willing to share the journey. What is uh, working well? What is not that working not that well? And really the goal is within five years to have totally uh, disrupted our company, but also have contributed to disrupt our fashion industry that is not going in the right direction, let's be honest. Okay, so this is interesting as a leader of this category to say that broadly it may not be heading in the best direction. Let's start with a few years ago then, because I understand that you made a pledge in 2019 actually, which set this scene, established the case that fashion generally is wasteful and deserves to be disrupted. You set a timeline with that pledge, but can you tell me more about it specifically? But the starting point is industry. Uh, fashion industry is 4% of the carbon emissions, only for one, for just this industry, which is more than France, United Kingdom, and Germany combined. And uh, not only it's it's bad, but we are also missing the target uh, of carbon reductions by 50%. So we are not missing the target by 5%, but by 50%. So basically, it means that the fashion industry, not only it's bad, but not making any progress. And contrary to other industry like airlines, for which it's a big technical challenge, in the case of the fashion industry, a lot of solutions are already existing. Alors, they might be complex. They might sometimes be costly, but not always the case. And it's about really moving and say, okay, now let's do it. And that's what we, what we have done. So in, in 2019, uh, September 19, 2019, actually, we said, okay, now it's time to change and make a big uh, radical change uh, within the company at every level. So that was a bit of a, a call to arm, I will say. That was uh, a bit uh, disruptive uh, within the company at the beginning, but I think really allow to shift uh, directions uh, towards a better place. Okay. So when you said this on 9-19 of 2019, you said, we are going to give ourselves some time to fix this incredible gap between where we should be, our goals, and where we are with regards to carbon emissions and becoming more sustainable. Now, you had founded this business seven years prior. You had employees who were presumably around since then. How did they react to this new pledge? And for those who maybe weren't prepared to trade off growth for purpose, how did you get them on board? Uh, I think there was different reactions. Uh, there was not one typical reaction. There was different type of reactions. Some were already uh, on board for a long time and were much more visionary than, than I was. Uh, so they were happy and excited. Uh, some were uh, like me saying, we need to change, but can we do it? And having a lot of uh, intera, you know, internal questioning, what trade-off, can we do it? Oh, it's too complicated. And, and, and some didn't saw it coming and they were a bit shocked and honestly a bit scared saying, okay, what did Romain uh, say, you know? Uh, 
can we do it? Uh, it's bullshit. It's greenwashing. So there was a lot of, uh, there was a whole spectrum of reactions. Uh, and, and the first two to three months were a bit uh, rocky, you know, internally, because people were a bit confused. Should we change our strategy? What does it mean for my, my product launch? What does it mean for our marketing strategy? And uh, so there was a bit of a shock, you know, initially. And then gradually, the strength of, of our company is really like autocorrect and, you know, and, and adapt, you know, um, ourselves to this new environment, to this new paradigm. And that's what has been happening. So, uh, you know, it was uh, some people pushing within their team some initiative. We also had done a, a, some kind of internal hackathon around the sustainability where everybody could come and, and pitch some ideas that they were uh, that they, we were not doing and that could really help the company to move in the right directions. And, and that was amazing because we had external uh, uh, advisors that came and, and, and grade what the idea were and, and most of them were implemented within 12 to 24 months. So it's possible, but it really requires a, a big change of, uh, of paradigm for the strategy of the company and a, and a change of uh, mindset for everybody within the company. So that has now been happening. You brought in those advisors, you set standards and goals for the, the five-year mark, which won't happen until 2024. So how do you feel about these first two years then? I mean, you've made some progress, but where, wh how do you feel about what has happened so far since you made that pledge? You always have the glass half full and the glass half empty. Uh, so the glass half full is like, I think we have changed gear on the topic, uh, which is good, and we are moving fast. And uh, we, we gain a lot of uh, credibility with our partner, our supplier. We launch a lot of uh, projects, uh, either internally, either with partners in the industry uh, that are either coming to life already uh, for the customer, either will come to life in six or 12 months around circularity, uh, around uh, uh, better shipment method, uh, so there is a lot of things that have been done. Um, also, what the glass half full is like, I think that uh, even before COVID, you could see that people were uh, understanding that it was not acceptable and it was not a model that was sustainable. And I think the last couple of months has, has shown an acceleration of this trend of, okay, where are we heading? And uh, so that's the glass half full. The glass half empty is like there is still so many things to be done. I wish we could go 10 times faster. Uh, we don't have much time. I mean, you see that the news that Oregon is burning now. Uh, every day you, you see some catastrophe. Every year you got some kind of once a century event uh, on the climate change. So we don't have much time. Uh, on the glass half empty, you also have greenwashing everywhere which is really like a plaque for the industry because it confuses customers, it feeds the cynical. So uh, there is a lot of challenge, let's be honest. I've even heard that term greenwashing very recently with another of our recent features, uh, a sustainable farming company in the US called App Harvest, who noted the same problem. And isn't it unfortunate that you have one of these once-in-a-lifetime occurrences that seem to happen every couple of years. It 
points to the need for serious change, which hopefully you can serve as one of the leaders for when it comes to the fashion industry. Because of that, perhaps, you have developed a model of trust through transparency, which I think is really nice. I want to know what what is that all about? How, how can you explain that a little bit for me? But it started really about um, uh, the need to create uh, credibility uh, in our industry and to gain the trust of customer. And again, huh, I think if the customer don't trust brands, there is reason for that uh, because they have been confused because a lot of brands are using all the possible tricks to confuse them. And we say, okay, what fact can we gather that will help people to first understand the problem, which is a very complex problem, but if it's well explained, actually the customer will get it and, and show that we are making progress. And by doing that, you have multiple advantages. You can make the difference between pure washer and uh, people actually making uh, some stuff. And also, it will uh, help the people to, uh, okay, to, to buy your, your story, to be really willing to, to encourage your brand, to vote with their wallet, if I may say. So that's a very important uh, strategy. When we, we, we look at the problem, we also saw some serious challenge about how to create trust and how to measure our progress. Because in the fashion industry, in the sustainable fashion industry, there has been, for instance, a lot of index and a lot of labels that say, this is a good product, not a good product. And all those labels, they, they have a specific purpose and they are most of the time doing a great job. Let's be honest about that. But they are not super easy to understand, even for us. Uh, within Adormi, but even less for the customer, you know, is your, I gave you a couple of examples. Uh, is it better to have organic cotton? People say, oh, it's great because it's organic. But then you say, oh, organic cotton is using twice more water. So how do you know if it's better to use organic cotton versus another fiber? Uh, is it better to have a recycled fiber or um, another type of um, natural fiber? So it's, it's really not easy to get it. So another uh, challenge that we have seen is like a lot of the index were a bit binary. Either you are good, either you are bad. But the reality of a business, especially business in transition, it's never such a simple picture. What if you take a company like Adormi, we started very, very bad. Let's be honest, but it's the standard of the industry. So the, you can say the standard of the industry is very bad. And... I hope that within five years will be good. You know, very good will be great, but good will already be a good starting point. But to go from very bad to good, you need to go to the whole spectrum. And labels that just tell you you are good, you are bad, are not really adapted to the transformation journey that a company like Adormi is experiencing. And why should we care about Adormi? It's, it's a good question. Because it's not all the industry will have to transform. So you cannot have only new players that will come and replace all the existing industry. It doesn't work like that because you have the existing players that will either fight to death against that, either they will we will not use their real uh, asset and competencies and skills to actually accelerate the transformation. So that means most of the transitions toward a better sustainable economy 
will have to come from the transformation of uh, the existing industries. And you need to adapt to this reality. You need to say, well, you have a world spectrum that go from uh, very bad to bad to average and then good and all this grading. And that's why we had to develop internally some tools to measure that, which we have done around different dimensions, which led to a lot of internal uh, brainstorming. What do we want to measure? Why it's relevant? Should we trade this over that? And all those labels, uh, they are public. Actually, we put them in open source for other in the industry to uh, use them, to challenge them. And ultimately, uh, we want civil society to, to really uh, take them and bring it to the next level because it's not a company like Adorami that should define a norm. So we are aware of that. So we will give them to civil society. So uh, it will be uh, powered by NGO ultimately. And that's how you really transform a, a company at scale. And you're not just doing it with Adore Me, that brand. You have taken this, as I understand it, blueprint model, used this open source mentality, as you've described, and spread it out further. Would you mind explaining briefly how this has already been put into practice with some of your sister brands and within your innovation lab? Yeah, uh, indeed, uh, we had to be uh, bold. Uh, so what we have done, we have launched 10 brands uh, in the last 12 months uh, that are all different and have a different product and a different value propositions, but have all sustainability in their DNA. And through this innovation lab, it's, it's fantastic because it really helps us to test new innovation, different messaging, and try to speak to different community. Uh, and uh, and accelerate the transitions. Uh, so you'll have one brand that is more dedicated to the Gen Z, uh, and it's called Earth Republic. And actually, it's launching today, literally today. You have one brand called Gentro, which is, uh, I will say, the Lululemon of the future, meaning chemical-free yoga pants. Because you have to know that in a yoga pants, you have more than 50 uh, different chemicals, and it's just bad for your health. So when you do yoga with a yoga pants, the reality is bad for your health, except if you uh, shop on uh, on uh, gentru.com. And uh, it's, it allows us to test this new type of innovation and to work with fantastic people because we didn't innovate everything alone. It's much more complicated. So we have to find the right partner, uh, push their innovation. And, you know, it's, it's really a journey. It's, it's really hard to, to, to move everything uh, in the right directions. Can I ask, how in the world have, after launching Adormi successfully and having grown that for nearly 10 years now, how in the world do you launch 10 different businesses? Did you say 10 in 12 months or was it 12 and 10? Regardless, how are you able to expand so exponentially so quickly? I think that's one of the beauty of technology. Uh, Adormi, uh, we started as an online company. Alors now we have some stores, but the reality of DNA is really tech and all our tech stack is really built as platforms. So you have one platform for the product management, meaning how do you design a product and how do you purchase this product? You have one platform, which is about your CRM. You have one platform about brand display. So with all those platforms, what is happening at brands, you need to define the brand identity. You need to do some customer research. You need to develop the product, but the, the, 
the cost of launching a brand with a significant value proposition has decreased drastically because we have all those platforms that we can leverage. And I think that's the type of game changer that suddenly you can look at the, at the, at the industry in a different uh, manner. Yeah, that is fascinating because it proves that this technology, sure, but also this blueprint, this trust through transparency model that you have laid out, if you have the right structure in place to build a company, can also scale easily. It is not something which, now that you have provided this blueprint, should be a large obstacle. All anybody has to do is follow your example. And to that example, I'd like to ask about what you foresee, because we are just two years into that five-year pledge to disrupt fashion towards sustainability. So you've got years three, four, and five to go. What do you expect to see over those years? Number one, I would say it's, it's more and more a, a must-have to survive, is really transparency at every level. So who is your supplier? How do they treat their worker uh, you know, to be able to share? You know, how much those workers are making? Are you proud of it? So that transparency will become a new norm. And the ones that are not willing to share this transparency, they will be less and less uh, credible. Another aspect is just to to decrease the uh, negative footprint of every product. So, you know, the best way uh, to, to, to decrease the fashion carbon footprint is actually not to buy new clothes. So, you know, I encourage everybody, limit your clothes buying consumption. That will be good and the industry must shrink. But if you have to buy, something you can buy second hand and i think that's another way to do and that will become more and more new norms about second hands third things which is not as good as buy second hand but it's still better is to buy products that have a, a, a better sustainability uh, index and that's what we are doing and on on those on all the lever we are trying to improve the sustainability of our product we're also working on thinking about uh, uh, second-hand purchase and really think about a new way to consume fashion in the future. This is an interesting, and, and I'd like to begin to round out here because ultimately you are painting a picture of the future in which Adore Me, the sister brands, the whole ecosystem that you have founded continues to grow within an industry which, if we are to care about the planet and act in a greener way without greenwashing things in a greener way should shrink. How do you um, plan? To, I mean, what what goes into, how do you deal with both of those competing factors? Yeah, but it's, it's an interesting question. It's they're, they're competing at an industry level, at a macro level, but at a micro level, there will be some winner and there will be some loser, you know? I think that the, the, the beauty of uh, of uh, innovation and uh, and entrepreneurship that you know some company uh, are at their peak and then they they go down and they go bust you know uh, you know Exxon uh, used to be uh, the largest company in the world for a long time and now they are not anymore in uh, in the index of the New York Stock Exchange so you know uh, they are fading away and you know in a 
in a few years they will bankrupt and uh, everybody will think it's normal because this company has, uh, uh, was there for too long. And, and it will be the same with the fashion industry. I think it has been too cozy uh, for a long time and some of the big players will, uh, will disappear and, uh, and uh, some of the new players, Adormi, but also other, will actually uh, uh, grow and, uh, and thrive. I got it. So then, in theory, this industry should shrink. However, it should come at the expense of, I don't want to make the direct comparison, but the exons of the fashion world, perhaps those who are the most wasteful and the survival of the greenest. I'm not sure. Again, I don't want to use that word because I know that greenwashing has become such an issue, but the survival of the most sustainable, perhaps, is what allows you to continue to operate and and move forward given the outlook. So I appreciate that because it is, I think, noble to operate understanding that the world needs to operate differently, but knowing that you individually want to grow. And I think it's a true part of Adormi's and your authentic story. That's where I'd like to close because I always ask people about this particular word, on this podcast, that word being authenticity. You have laid out on this show how since just a few years ago, you saw the light about being better for the world, set out goals, long-term goals, and built a scalable blueprint, which you first proved yourself before hopefully being able to circulate it more broadly through an industry that you hope to grow even as it broadly shrinks. Now, The folks that listen to this show are seeking to build their own authentic stories. And while it may not necessarily be in an industry that they believe should shrink, they are always looking to grow. And they emulate the types of people like you who have managed to build such an authentic journey. So my final question is, what advice can you give to our listeners to help them find their own personal truth, whether it be for their business, whether it be for their personal outlook. Generally speaking, how do they find their own avenues to authenticity? Very good questions. Uh, I, I will take it in a very uh, modest way, uh, meaning that uh, uh, everybody will have their own answer, and I'm not sure I'm the best person to, to, uh, to give best advice to, to anyone. I will just share what I'm trying to do. First is to step back, you know, and to step back, I think there is two ways to step back that I found personally powerful. Number one is step back on what truly matters to you. You know, is it to, to have a lot of like on social media or is it to interact with people, you know, and, and try to go at the bottom of what matters to you. And the second way uh, to step back is to bring a bit of timeline perspective, you know, in 20 years, you know, it's likely or very likely that the world uh, will be extremely different at every level in terms of, uh, term of tech consumption, in terms of heat web or heat dome everywhere. And where do you want to be in 20 years? And I think that it's easy to hide uh, in six months or in 12 months. It will not change much. But in 20 years, it will be a bit different. If you live in Miami, you might have to acknowledge that in 20 years, it's likely that the city will be underwater. And where will you live? You will still be living in Florida? Great. You want to go north? Fine. You know, 
So take a long-term perspective. So, and I think the combination of what really matters to you and what, what will happen in 20 years, the long-term perspective, at the crossing of that, you have a lot of interesting questions and you can build your own strategy on, uh, on, uh, towards authenticity. Well, that's thoughtful input. And I think it would make sense for anybody, especially with an eye on making a better world, to zoom out in that way. What will the world look like in 20 years for my specific industry, my specific job, my journey? And how can I think ahead and be a trendsetter? I think that there's a great deal of authenticity to be found there. And I'm glad that we found a little bit of it today through your story, Roman. I appreciate your your feedback here, your, your, your thoughtful answers, and your blueprint to helping others find that trust through transparency and build sustainable futures. And for sharing all of that right here with me, thank you very much. Thank you, Adam. You know, taking away that advice, I'll admit, it's hard to not think about the next 20 minutes, much less zoom out and then consider the next 20 years. But it is a way to build your authentic journey today, even if it means incurring some hardship in the short term for the betterment of the long term. Roman, thank you so much for joining the show. And to the listener, thank you for tuning in and learning about this story and this world. Here's how you can learn more from this show. I'm on LinkedIn, Adam Connor and Authentic Avenue. Follow both of those pages. And you can also email me directly, adam at authav.com, A-U-T-H-A-V-E. I have these sorts of conversations every single week, and I also help businesses tell their stories more honestly and authentically. So if I can be helpful in either of those two worlds, shoot me a note. Until you do, and whether you do or not, I'm going to be back real soon with another fantastic story about a leader who has found authenticity and is helping others to do that as well. And until then, I've been Adam Connor saying, until the next time I get real again with you, thanks for taking a walk with me down Authentic Avenue. Avenue.